Hello, welcome to Postcolonial Space. I'm Masood Raja, and I'm just taking a few moments to let you know that this clip that you will see after this introduction is from one of my online classes, and I've decided to edit them so that more people can benefit from these lectures that I deliver pretty much every week. So enjoy, and let me know what you think about it. Thank you so much. Today we will be talking about Nagib Mehfuz's short story, Zabalali. Now, Mehfuz was the first Arab Nobel laureate, right? In 1988, he won the Nobel Prize uh, for Literature. And he was a prolific writer, more, wrote more than 35 novels. And his work spans kind of 60, 70 years of writing and was one of the most, actually the most prominent modern Egyptian novelist, writer, playwright. And uh, one thing before we go into Zabalavi is there is something peculiar about Egyptian Arabic. Egyptian Arabic, as far as I know, is the only form of modern Arabic which has the ga sound in it. So in classical Arabic or other regional accents of Arabic, he will be Najib Mehfuz. But in Egyptian Arabic, he is Nagib Mehfuz. So keep that in mind, that distinction. Towards the end of his life, when he was probably 88, I think, uh, he also was subject of a terroristic attack post-Salman Rushdie's satanic versus uh, he was attacked by a Muslim fundamentalist and actually stabbed in the neck and that kind of almost paralyzed him and he could not do much work in his life. But throughout his career, you know, he constantly himself kept pushing the boundaries of what is permissible and what is not and got famous or infamous actually for one of his major novels, which is called Children of Gabalavi, or it's, it's also translated as Children of the Alley. I highly recommend it. And that's a very complex novel because what it does is the way it builds the narrative is there is a, this community of very poor people and they live in this street. And at the end of the street is a huge mansion where their father, Gabalavi, lives. And all the people always think about Gabalavi, wish him well, but they never see him and he never really does much for them. So allegorically speaking, that's a story of people and their relationship with the figure of God. Now in that book, he gives us four different sections of history of that neighborhood. The first section, if you read it carefully, you will realize that that's the biblical story, right? And the rules and the community rules are drawn from Judaism, the first of the monotheistic religions. And that section he calls force all the time, or the god of that section, Gabalavi of that section is justice. The second section of the novel, a new prophet rises, and that's built in Christianity. And the major force in that message is love. And then the third section is about Islam, where he balances the two, force when necessary, love all the time. But 
then go moving beyond the three monotheistic religions he finally places the trust of the people of the alley in the rise of rational thought and science and that's what gets him in trouble you know with conservative muslim scholars and activists and everyone else so that's roughly briefly speaking a huge life but i'm just trying to succinctly talk about nagib mehfuz you know in very brief terms the story that we are reading i think it was published in 1961 okay and it's entitled of course zabalawi if you want to look at it purely from a reader's point of view and want to plot it it is a quest story you know there is obviously a quest we have our unnamed narrator right and uh, we find out from the very first pages of the story that he has some kind of illness that cannot be cured by any doctors or any science but he knows through what he had heard from his father and other people that there is one person named zabalawi whom if he can find who might be able to cure his illness so that starts his quest and the rest of it is our narrator meeting different people and asking them about zabalawi's whereabouts it starts with people telling him zabalawi is a myth he doesn't exist and as he moves into the city of cairo deeper and deeper into the old city amongst the poorer communities and the artists and others that is when they tell him yeah zabalawi exists but we don't know when he comes and when he goes and then finally someone tells him that if you go to this bar and meet this person he can introduce you to zabalawi and when we when he gets there the the bar owner basically says you know sit down and drink with me and this person is a practicing muslim so our narrator says no i don't drink and he's like that's my condition for introducing you to zabalawi so he sits and drinks a few drinks and goes to sleep or gets drunk we don't really know and in that dream like state he encounters zabalawi right but when he wakes up he f- finds out that zabalawi had visited but he just left and then the end unresolved ending of the story is that he still doesn't know whether he can be cured or not but he's sure of one thing that zabalawi does exist and that he will find him or he will try to find him so it has the structure of a modernist story in which we are not really sure whether what is being told to us is actually true or not but it is also it has the ending of a modernist story right most modernist stories don't have a neat concluded ending they usually have an ambivalent ending where the reader is required to make up their own mind so these are some of the things to keep in mind about the story now another thing to keep in mind is the role of class now if you plot the story on the map of cairo you will see that his quest starts from the modern part of egypt and he goes to a lawyer one of his father's friends right rich people people who live in suburbia and they are completely skeptical of his quest they don't believe in zabalawi they think zabalawi is a terrible myth right or a story and so then his movement is 
deeper and deeper into the older Cairo culture and the communities who are in touch with what happens in the culture, who may not be very rich, but who at least know their own history. And then finally, it's the artists, right, who might be in touch with their own spirituality, but also with the actions of a spiritual figure. And so that's also an interesting thing to read in the story. What does it teach us about being spiritual or having knowledge that people who have risen high in the hierarchy of a culture may not have. So that's also what we can read in the story. But overall, Zabalavi is this elusive figure. Now, there are also hints in the story that he is wanted by the law, right? Because maybe he practices spiritual healing or other forms of healing which were illegal, right? Uh, because only the those who had the permit to practice medicine could do that. So maybe he is in trouble with the government, or maybe he is part of a dissident movement, right, against Sadat's government. And, and that's why he doesn't want to be at one place at, at a time. But we do know, and it is confirmed to us, that he doesn't maintain one residence and he keeps moving from one place to another. And part of it is that he probably is wanted by the law. Now, a lot of people have tried to decipher what the ailment is, whether it's a physical illness or a spiritual illness. There is no hint in the story to totally pinpoint it. All we have is the story and our interpretation of it. And if someone wants to claim that it's a physical illness, then Zabalavi becomes kind of a figure who might be, you know, might have spiritual remedies for physical ailments. And if we believe that the melody that our narrator has is spiritual, then obviously Zabalavi being a Darwish, being uh, you know, in that tradition of spiritual figures already could be the answer to his problems. But overall, this is what I think about the story and that is how I try to interpret it. I hope that makes sense. So that's all I have. Uh, I will... Uh, I will answer any questions that you might have. Uh, it, you know, any act of reading you is do keep in mind in literature, there are no single answers, right? You bring to a text your own knowledge, what you have acquired in this class and other classes, your own prejudices and preferences, right? And then you read it according to that. So an act of reading is always a motivated act because you're self is engaged in it. That's why I encourage my students not to draw out meanings from the text, but to try to see how the text impacts them, right? And what does it make you think? Zabalavi, I have tried to, does it translate as a fool? I've tried to look it up. I can't, couldn't find the actual meaning, but one of my Palestinian students a few years ago had uh, told me that it is sometimes used as a term of endearment when you want to call someone silly or when you want to say, oh, so-and-so is, you know, um, doing something funny or acts funny. So sometimes in regional cultures, in Palestine at least, that was where my student was from, people do use that term for children 
or even for grown-ups. But to be very honest, I have not um, been able to find like a textual explanation of the term in that sense, and of the term in that sense. Um, could the story be read as humanity's continuous desire to chase a meaning? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it could be, uh, if you think of it in terms of a spiritual quest or just a quest to know things, it is a quest story. So it could be read as a personal quest story, but also an allegory that we all are seeking answers in one way or the other. And most of the times we don't get the answers or if we do, we don't really know whether we have the right answers. So yes, it could be read, read as an allegory of that. Okay, I suppose I take a very broad view as to what the narrator's Ill illness could be. So this makes this a broad explanation, I think. Yeah, yes, I mean, you know, you can take any view of his uh, his illness as long as you can point to places in the text where that supposition or that point of view can be supported. You know, and, and it's very simple. You basically say, okay, I read the narrator not as an individual person, but as someone who stands in for general human beings and their anxi anxieties about life. Now, do keep in mind, uh, that Naguib Mehfuz was heavily influenced by existentialist philosophy, right? And so existentialism has these kind of quests, so you can actually prove that point. So this concludes this edited version of a live lecture. I'll be back with more, and please keep an eye out for these, and I hope these are useful to you. Thank you so much, and as always, peace and love.